through branding and package design, I tried to make people believe I was a Chinese gangster rapper, that I was really big in China. You really should put meanings behind your design, otherwise you're just making decorations. That's something I always tell designers. Try to make design, not decorations. Let's say a website only works with the mouse and you can use it with a keyboard, but many people rely heavily on the keyboard due to disabilities. Are you really creating a website just to tell those people off? Like, come on. What's up everybody, I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer. So in this show, I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Mike Ma. Mike is currently the principal UI designer at Pegasystem, primarily working on design systems. He started out with a strong design background graduating with a BFA in graphic design at Massachusetts College of Art. There, he learned all the design fundamentals that helped him become the accomplished designer he is today. Last spring, he was my mentor when I was a design intern on his team at Pega. And if you've checked out the thumbnail of this episode, you know that this is going to be a fun one. And can I just say, Mike is a designer with personality and swag. Seriously, no kidding. We talked about his epic senior design project at MassArt, the importance of code to designers, accessibility, and so much more. I was really excited about this one, and it sure did not disappoint. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike Ma. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Yeah, no, I'm super excited about this one as well. I think just by the thumbnail itself, um, there's a lot that can be said already. So I think to start out, I wanted to start with your early days. So for context to the listener, you study graphic design at MassArt College. And on your LinkedIn, you wrote, MassArt taught me all the design fundamentals that helped me become the accomplished designer I am today. So I want to delve into that a little bit more. So what were some of the design fundamentals you learned that helped you become a better designer? Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's get into that. I love talking about design fundamentals. So yeah, like you said, I come from a traditional graphic design background. I got my BFA from Massachusetts College of Art and Design, where I was taught the fundamentals of design, color, spacing, and typography. And you will see these three things front and center on the Bold Design System homepage, uh, which is design system I'm currently working on. Mm -hmm. So this is what you always need to remember as a designer. Don't use a color because you like it. Use a color because it reflects the message in your design. And don't use a typeface because it is fancy. Do use a typeface because it is it displays the emotion of your design. Don't use the grid because that's the default. Like everyone says, use the grid. But you should use the grid to position your typography and imagery to communicate the information hierarchy clearly. So by doing that, um, yeah, you really should put meanings behind your design. Otherwise, you're just making decorations. That's something I always tell designers. Try to make design, not decorations. 
So out of out of these three things, I strongly believe typography is the most important one because the web is ninety nine percent text.、Um, if you have no colors and images to work with, a great designer should still be able to create expressive design with just typography. A designer without typography skills is like a singer who can't read musical notes.、Um, mm-hmm. You're still a singer, but、right. it, there's a lot of fundamentals you're lacking. Like for example, a mediocre pop singers.、Mm, got it. Yeah, because I remember one thing that really stuck with me after the internship was the feedback that you gave, which is specifically about the fundamentals of design. It's I do kind of understand how to make things pretty, but I don't understand like the meaning behind like each of those. Are there specific? I guess. Best practices for any of these design fundamentals that you recommend? Yeah, I mean, you just have to learn. Either take an online course or like take a take a boot camp to learn about these things. But what I really recommend is like just taking a traditional college course from an art school, like my school, Mass Art. That's really where you're gonna get the mentorship from the professors there, who know very well about these topics. What I find about trying to learn these things on your own and trying to learn it from boot camps or whatever that's out there is that you're really lacking the traditional. Design point of view, there are a lot of new thinking out there. Some might not really focus on these three things at all.、Uh, they just focus on really building interfaces without truly understanding the the fundamentals. Yeah, and I think this is actually a really good segue into because you mentioned mass art as well. This part I really wanted to delve into. Because it's super interesting. So I think for context for the audience, this happened when I was your design intern at Pega, and you know one day I was just looking at your profile on LinkedIn. I was like, like looking at what you've done in the past, and something rather interesting caught my eye. Basically, I saw that a website called ChineseGangster.com, <laughs> very interesting name, and on the page. You appear as this hardcore like DJ slash rapper on SoundCloud, and you know, knowing you from the internship, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, <laughs> I didn't know that you had, I guess, this other side to you, like this、um, inner like hardcore side to you. And you know, I asked you about this towards the end of the internship, and you know, you explained to me what that was basically. So, I really wanted to share this with the audience. So. What was that all about? And are you actually a hardcore DJ、um, <laughs> behind your like full time design job? Yeah, yeah. This is an interesting topic that people who get to know me would ask.、Uh, yeah, it's、um, <laughs> so. First thing first, not a DJ.、Uh, so my rapper name is MC How. So it's. MC, not DJ.、Mm-hmm. So let me bring you back to a time when mainstream music was. Awful, AF.、Uh, around 2008 and 2009,、uh, around that time. So my senior year in college, the whole idea of that project was to、um, make fun of mainstream rap, how it was all style over substance. Every rapper at that time was bragging about girls, money, and being gangster. So the whole concept was to create an alter ego 
for myself, which, like I said, MC How was the alter ego. Through branding and package design, I tried to make people believe I was a Chinese gangster rapper, that I was really big in China. And I composed a song. I created the album design for that one song. Mm-hmm. And I released a website along with official accounts on every single social network at the time. And I promote the hell out of myself. I was exhibiting as an artist in galleries. Mm. I was giving talks at local networking events. I was performing in shows and college parties. Wow. Uh, it, was, oh it, was <laughs> it was hilarious when people fell for the joke. It just proved my point that you really don't need to have talent to be a star. Mm. You just need good design. Uh, my mm-hmm. mentor, Brian Lucid, he was a professor at Massar. He was very instrumental in this project. He encouraged me to do everything that I did, including writing and recording that one song. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Big Ass Booties. Mm-hmm. Just to yeah, just to play with just to play <laughs> with the, just to play with the persona of those kind of rappers at that time. Yeah, so. If you pay attention to what I just said, I explained the idea, the concept, and the execution. So if you are a designer and you can define those three things well, you're going to have a very good design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, when I first saw it, I totally just bought into it. I was like, oh my God, like this is like actually real. Like I, yeah. I needed to, yeah, I needed to like ask you more about it. Yeah. I even had business cards that was like, Printed black and white with the letters mm-hmm. in gold foil. Wow. You, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it always says it's uh, MC How straight out of China. Uh, That's always Straight on the business card. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Wait, then, because you mentioned you, you perform at like venues and stuff. Um, yeah. Did you let them know afterwards about this or did they just like complete like believe? Yes. So for, for like uh, art shows, I was exhibiting my design work as an artist, so showing the album design, the t-shirt design, uh, everything I designed for the project. So I was like uh, in a gallery, taking up one of the spaces, just showcasing my work. Uh, And I was also invited to some like um, college parties at Mm -hmm. MIT and Harvard, actually. That's crazy. I really enjoy. I really enjoyed that one song I have, and they were like, "Can you come perform?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll bring the music, and now I'll, I'll I'll bring the party." Wow, that's. I mean, especially at Harvard and MIT, like yeah, you wouldn't expect that. Wow, damn, yeah. I think that really just shows, as you mentioned, bringing back to your point, like the power of design to persuade people and make them believe that this is actually true yeah yeah exactly i I think that's still kind of true nowadays like you do have a lot of artists uh musicians that really rely on the marketing rather than their skills Mm -hmm. yeah we're not gonna like shout out to anybody on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we can just know ourselves um we have those names in our mind I think, yeah, transitioning a little bit about your early days, I think instead of delving into how you transitioned from graphic design to UX, I wanted to delve a little bit more into how you got into development, because I think that's once you go that designers often 
want to have, but they they were like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. I should focus on design more. So I'm really curious about that part because during the Pega internship, you're at least in my view, you're basically a unicorn, which means that you understand how to code well, and also you know how to communicate effectively with developers. So I think the first question that I had was, looking back at your career, how did you get into and also learn coding as a designer? Yeah, yeah. Th- thank you very much for the compliment, calling me a, a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I always had an interest on the technical side of things. I love to build things. I think I made my first website back in 2002 uh, with something called Microsoft Front Page. I'm not mm. sure you... You know what that is. I don't know if you were even born back then. <laughs> yeah, I was born in 2001. Yeah. I'm not sure when that is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're one year old. So you're, you're probably digging into like Microsoft offices at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so I can say this. I build more websites than you have eaten rice. That's a very Chinese thing to say. Uh, I'm sure no Americans would understand it. <laughs> I'm not sure if you understand it. Um, basically, I'm saying, "我做的网站比你吃的饭还要多." Mm, okay, yeah, that I get. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Now you get it. Yeah, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I think direct translation will be the amount of websites I've created is more than the amount of rice you've ate. In yeah, the yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, just just for context for, for it's, the it's listeners. like it's like yeah. something that old Chinese people would say to young Chinese people. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. So yeah, I had some knowledge of HTML even before I uh, started designing. And then after I graduated from MassR, I did about seven years of product design. And my passion for coding grew exponentially during that time because it is so satisfying to build things exactly the way I designed them. So yeah, I would say that during my product design years, that's really when I really started coding hardcore. Mm, got it. And I think sometimes, at least even I'm sometimes thinking about this, I, I'm sure a lot of people around my age or people are starting out, I think one of the million dollar questions that people often ask is, should designer code? Or should designer <laughs> even understand how to code? I think that's, yeah, I wanted to hear your input on that. Yeah. Yeah, so my, my answer to that would be no, but great designers should. This is not a hot take. I wish my fellow web designers would understand that HTML and CSS is just the modern day letterpress. It is a design tool. They can just stop avoiding it. Mm. Look at all the design influencers on uh, on Twitter. They are all designer coders. Um, to name a few, Hayden Pickering, Stephanie Echoes, Adam Argyle, these are all great designers and they're posting code like almost every day, just showing you how to design in code in the browser. So it really depends, like, do you want to be an average designer or do you want to be a great designer? That's up to you. Understanding Mm -hmm. the technical side of things, it's going to improve your design so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I took a web development course back in college and also we had like this one-on-one design workshop during the internship itself. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned was that how to structure your page and also knowing the constraints that your designs might have. So I think design is different from art in that there are constraints on the web and also in terms of code. So if you do have a design, it's not like, oh, I can just like 
hand this off to the developer and then they'll just like do their magic and then they'll just like do their work it's like understanding what that actually like really helps yeah, yeah definitely yeah and i think for designers who are thinking oh you know i i think i'm starting to be persuaded you know i think i'm starting to understand the importance of coding how would you recommend them to start yeah sure um so i would say learn html and css that's really all you need to know um so html is the semantics css is the aesthetics mm-hmm. there is so much to learn that you probably won't have time to focus on anything else i'm advocating for designers to code I'm not advocating them to program. So you really don't need to know any programming languages. That's for database and backend. But if you got the time, it really doesn't hurt. I, for myself, I, I try to focus and specialize. I don't touch the backend. So all I know is HTML and CSS and maybe a little bit of JavaScript on the presentation front. Got it. Yeah, so starting with basically the fundamentals and... I think just a little bit of context, semantics basically means, I'm trying to think of a better metaphor. It's like HTML is basically if you strip all the styling off a website, it's basically just plain text. You have the images. It's just the most basic form you can see, but it should be like clearly structured. And then when you want to style that, use CSS to, to style that. Yeah, exactly. If you write really good HTML, when you strip the CSS completely, your page is going to look pretty much like a well-formatted Word document with heading levels clearly indicated. And without CSS, the information hierarchy should be all there. Yeah. And I think on top of that, so I would say having a really clear HTML structure is probably one of the best practices. Are there any other best practices that you recommend for coding in HTML and also CSS? Yeah, so we can dive into accessibility. I mean, that's mm, that's yeah. really, really what coding in the front end should focus on. Like when you write semantic HTML, um, it's, it's just like design. If you don't put meanings behind your code, all you have is decorations. So semantics is really important and accessibility is free with semantic HTML. When you write the HTML the proper way, uh, you get all those accessibility features for free. Yeah, and I think this is a perfect transition. Thank you for bringing this up. Um, This is another big topic that I really wanted to delve into in this episode, which is accessibility. And I think for people who don't necessarily understand what this term is, can you explain what is accessibility and also why is it important for designers to know? Yeah, of course. So accessibility, it is in the name, ability to access. Generally, the concept focuses on enabling access for people with disabilities, but accessibility benefits everyone. For example, dark mode is basically an accessibility feature, but anybody can enjoy dark mode. Some people find light text against dark background much more legible than the opposite. You don't have to have a disability to have that opinion. Accessibility is also an important aspect of inclusive design. If you don't provide access, it means you, you're excluding. In other words, you're not inclusive. So let's say a website only works with the mouse and you can use it with a keyboard, but many people rely heavily on the keyboard due to disabilities. Are you really creating a website just to... <laughs> tell those people off, like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, right. this, 
this website is not for you. You、mm-hmm. you just go somewhere else. You、yeah. don't want, you you don't want to do that with your design. Got it. Yeah. During early days of the the internship, you recommended me to take a web accessibility course, and that was my first experience of using a screen reader, which is basically for people who are visually impaired and they have to use the keyboard to basically navigate through the website. And as a person who already takes like using mouse or being able to see things for granted, it was a whole new experience to do that, and it was like hard to to use that.、Um, so I think accessibility really tries to tackle that. That part, yeah. basically, yeah, basically, like you can turn on the screen reader on on your Mac or or your or your PC. Like, just close your eyes and try to use a website that you use every day and see if you can get through it.、Uh, you're gonna find a lot of challenges with that because a lot of websites are just not accessible at the moment,、mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's really they are really hard to work with screen readers and keyboard. When did you realize the importance of accessibility? During your career, is this during your product design years, or was、yeah. the, was this when you started to learn coding and also the development side of things? Yeah, that is exactly when I realized that during my product design years, when I was coding a lot,、mm-hmm. um, I just realized that if your product is not usable, let alone useful, nobody is gonna use it. <laughs> Makes、mm-hmm. sense, right?、Uh, a lot of times, companies just design for their CEO or worse, the the CMO. But they are not even the average user of your product. I worked on many failed products,、uh, mm-hmm. and and the key to failure is usually not respecting your users. By the way, don't be afraid of failing. It's only gonna make you a better designer. Your future success depends on your past failures. If you understand the importance of cross-browser testing,、uh, you should understand the importance of accessibility testing. There are all kinds of people. You can't just design for a subset of people. For example, why is Slack so successful? Because a pleasant Slack experience is a need to have, not a nice to have. They make sure everyone can use Slack in whatever ways fit them best.、Um, this episode is sponsored by Slack. Transform the way. <laughs> Nah, just, just I would love that. I would love but, that. But, that would be that would、uh, be very ideal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah, they, they should just pay me for saying that.、Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, and, I'll send yeah, I'll send、yeah. them one of the episodes, and then just hopefully I can get a sponsor. <laughs> yeah,、oh、and yeah. So so Notion is also kind of successful, but it's it's definitely not accessible. That that's why I refuse to collaborate with you on Notion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, But mm-hmm. turns out I sent you a Google Keep note, and, <laughs> and I didn't you, receive you, it. You couldn't get into that, so that, <laughs> that that also means Google Keep is not that accessible as well. Another question that I had was trying to make this, I guess, more practical for the listeners. I think, how would you recommend a designer design more accessible products? And what are some best practices that you can recommend? Yeah, so so this is where I plug my latest writing, the case for respect, available、mm-hmm. free on mikemy.net/blog.、Uh, I mean, it's not rocket science. I I wouldn't make anyone pay for an article like this.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so so here is the TLDR. First thing first, respect reduce motion. A lot of people get motion sickness when they see a lot of things moving on the screen. That's why you will notice in your、uh, Mac or PC, you you can go into your preferences. You can actually check a box that says reduce motion. So when people have that setting checked, 
your website should respect that setting and try to stop anything that's moving on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's going to help out a lot for people who get motion sickness. And also for people who has ADHD, because when you have things moving around on the screen, it's going to distract them so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, second thing is the uh, respect browser font size. A lot of people use the browser setting to change the font size of web pages um, to a larger font size or to a smaller font size. Uh, so make sure your website works with that. The third thing is respect dark mode. I've mm-hmm. already touched on this. Some people find dark mode more legible than light mm-hmm. mode. Uh, the fourth thing is respect hover and focus. So anything interactive on a website should have a hover state design and a focus state design. They can help indicate anything that's interactive, whether the user is using a mouse or using a keyboard. Those little details in design really helps out a user. And the last thing is respect semantics. We, we already talked about this uh, when you build your websites with semantics, screen readers will just recognize those semantics. Like here is the banner of the website. Here is the footer of the website. Here is the navigation of the website. And here is the main content of the website. All of those things are built into semantic HTML and screen readers can come to a specific HTML element and they can announce that to the user. Mm -hmm. So the best practice is to respect the user. Make sure everyone can use your design in whatever ways fit them best. Again, pay me Slack. I'm using it. This episode is sponsored by Slack. (laughs) Thanks to Mike. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. I think for the listeners, like, like you really don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like you, as Mike said, like using semantic HTML, it's already like built into the system. If you use semantic HTML, the screen reader will naturally just pick them up. So it's not like you have to create something new. Like just use what has already been working, basically yeah. in this case. Yeah. 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 Like I said, accessibility is free when you write semantic HTML. And I'll also link your article in the show notes. Um yeah. case for right. respect for the for the listeners to, to listen. And then hopefully I'll get a sponsor from Slack yeah. <laughs> from this one. <laughs> That's really the main point of this. <laughs> yeah. I think aside from the article that you mentioned just now, what other resources would you recommend to people who want to learn more about accessibility in UX and also on the web? Yeah. There, there is one thing that I read over and over again, uh, and it is the writing of Adrian Rosali. So adrianrosali.com that's where he is uh, writing all of his articles he has demonstrated every accessible design pattern under the sun you can't go wrong following him Uh, he's Mm -hmm. the best kept secret in the design world only about 6,000 followers on Twitter Uh, I mean Mm -hmm. come on people you can do better no absolutely Um, yeah he's a fearless person You'll find out through his writing, he's not afraid to call BS on large tech companies about their products' accessibility. After all, 96.8% of the top million websites have detectable accessibility issues. Mm -hmm. On trivial things like providing descriptions for images, using sequential heading levels, or strong enough color contrast that people can read, the tech industry is kind of embarrassing to say the least mm. uh, yeah so that's all i have to say go to his blog 
and read everything he writes. Anytime you you have question about how to design something a accessible component, he has the answers. Just type in the search box on search box on uh, on his website and find the things you need. Yeah. I, I've been using it like Google. Like I don't even go on Google anymore. I、mm. go to that website and I just search on that website. For sure, yeah. I also link his his articles and also his his website in the show notes as well. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully his Twitter following and also readers will be a lot more、yeah. after this episode. <laughs> That would be ideal. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I know we're coming a little bit short on time. This has been wonderful. We talked about multiple topics and also advices for designers. I think I wanted to end with this question. So basically, imagine a scenario where if you're now facing yourself, but 20 years old, so that's around like college time. What career slash life advice will you give the younger Mike? Yeah, I thought about this one.、Um... I mean, buy Google stocks. <laughs> I'm a very、mm. shallow person. Get rich or die trying.、Mm. <laughs> you can do whatever good you want if you're rich.、Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I would say to my younger self. But, but for but seriously, for for <laughs> for young designers, <laughs> no, that was serious. Like, <laughs> like yourself, that was very serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For young design, young designer like yourself, I. I already told you what you what you need.、Uh, fundamentals of design. Improve、mm-hmm. yourself. Go learn about color theories,、uh, the concept of the grid, and typography. Be a designer, not a decorator. That's something I always say to every designer I met. Just、mm-hmm. be a designer, not、mm-hmm. a decorator.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a really powerful statement.、Um, because I feel like, as you mentioned, like design without intentionality is basically, as you mentioned, just decoration. Like it's, it might look pretty, but behind the scenes, it it doesn't really serve any meaning, and also purpose,、yeah. as well. Yeah, oftentimes,、uh, I think timeless design will will always have a function. That that's why they're timeless because it's always useful.、Mm-hmm. And also useful to basically all types of people, and that comes back、yeah. to accessibility. Exactly, design for all people. Don't design for a subset of people.、Mm-hmm. Amazing, yeah. I think this has been a super wonderful conversation. Time really flew by, really、yeah. fast.、Um, but yeah, thank you, Mike, for for coming on. This really means a lot. Yeah, thank you very much for having me.、Uh, this is the first time I've been on a podcast, and I hope my takes were not that hard. I hope people won't, <laughs> won't send me that in my in my Twitter DM.、Uh, but yeah, this this has been great. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Hey there! Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye, my name is Guo, and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel Show. And I'll see you in the next episode.